You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRank Sports and Sided now. And you can find my Twitter account, at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnPackers. Today, what we're going to do is I'm going to walk through what I would consider my ideal scenario for the offseason. I've, I've already gotten a lot of questions about things that the Packers should do. I anticipate getting a lot more. Please continue to send them to me. I will, I will share my thoughts as I have them. Some of them, though, I will save for this podcast, and I'll repeat them after I've said them. I'm sure there are some takes that I will not save because I just will forget that I already offered them and then use them on the show. So if you're following me, you'll have heard... Some of my thoughts on these things before, um, I will repeat them on Twitter, you know, in a perfect world after I've said them on the show because I want you to listen and I want other people to listen. But I'm going to walk through how I think the Packers should handle their own players and the changes they need to make internally. Then we're going to go through free agency and then we're going to go through the draft. And I'm going to go step by step and explain why I think the Packers should make the moves that, that I want them to make. And and I will answer some questions that are out there. There are some, some different scenarios in play. And so I want to make it clear why, I hope to make it clear why, I think they should do the things that I'm espousing in each of these categories. So let's start with what they need to do internally as a team. And I think that starts number one with figuring out the contract situations of Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. I think in a perfect world, you'd restructure both of them. They don't have to, but because I want the Packers to be more aggressive in free agency, I would like them to. Jordy Nelson has said he would take a pay cut, so hold him to that. However you need to restructure it, reduce his cap figure, whatever whatever needs to happen, lower that cap amount. Give If, if you need to add a couple years at a lower amount, of a much lower amount in this case. Look, I'm fine with that. He can he can be a red zone weapon until he's 40 because of his ESP with Rodgers. And as so long as that is true, he has some value on this team. Randall Cobb, I think you restructure. And if he's not willing to restructure, I think you have to be willing to say, all right, Randall, it's just time. It's time for us to move on. It's time for you to move on. Because I would like to spend that money elsewhere. Now, I think what you try and do is, and we'll get into this in the next block, is you you don't need necessarily to restructure that deal right now. They could restructure it later after free agency and after they've seen what is out there and what they can do, what they can add, who they can bring in. So if they can bring in another receiver, then they say, okay, listen, Either you lower this number. First, you just go to him and say, hey, can we figure this out? We'd like you to be here, but we'd like to pay you less. And if he says no, then you wait. You, you bring someone in and you say, look, either you lower this number or 
you're out. And you have the leverage to do that. In, in a perfect world, in in I'm in charge scenario, in, in this is a fantasy land, so I, you know I can I can say whatever is going to happen is going to happen. This is the ideal best case everything goes right scenario. The Packers get to keep Randall Cobb. I, I think in relation to that though, I would like to see the Packers transition Ty Montgomery back to a receiver role. I just don't think. His his being a running back is the best thing for his body long term. I think it's I do think it's his best position. I don't know that it's the best thing for the Packers because he is a great playmaker. And I just I don't think the distinction necessarily means a ton. I just think that he needs to be a bigger part of the passing game. And it's clear to me at this point, Aaron Jones is the best running back on the team. If you are going to turn and hand the ball to someone. I would rather it be Aaron Jones than Ty Montgomery. That doesn't mean that he should not be used in that capacity. I would still love to see him in a role similar to that 2014 team with Cobb when Cobb would get five, six, sometimes eight plus snaps in the backfield. That would be great. And they don't all have to be, you don't have to telegraph it. It doesn't all have to be either a run or a pass to him. But I think that would be the best way to utilize him. And I think they need to do a better job of splitting carries. I wrote this for Acme Packing Company last week, or two weeks ago, I think. The Packers need to do a better job of using their players, running backs in particular, in a way that suits their strengths more often. Mike McCarthy likes to just sort of say, this is our offense and we're going to run the plays with our guys and whoever is playing well is going to play. And I just don't think that that is the most effective way to use your players. It's certainly not the most adaptive. The best offenses don't handle it that way. And I wrote about it in relation to the two teams in the Super Bowl because they do. They use their players in ways that are maximally efficient for them and for that particular situation, that formation, that call. Mike McCarthy likes to have this offense that he runs. He doesn't like to have plays or packages. And I think he needs to become a little bit more adaptive in that way. I would like to see Montgomery more in the slot. I would like to see him split out wide more and make teams declare. Are we going to cover him with a linebacker? Are we going to cover him with a safety? Or is he a receiver? If they if he spends 60% of his snaps as a receiver, is he suddenly a receiver again? Because then if you put him in the backfield, how do you handle that? If they're going to play soft, if they're going to play with the extra defensive back with him in the game, then how do you handle that? Do you put him in the backfield and then run the ball with him? It, it opens up your offense in so many different ways. If they have three receivers and Montgomery in the game, they can play so many different ways. And they just, they didn't maximize that advantage at the beginning of the season when Rodgers was healthy. And it actually took him getting hurt for them to find out that Aaron Jones was really good. That was the Dallas game. And there were times when, in 2016, when it looked like Montgomery was the best player on this offense. When Whenever they needed a play, they ran something for him. And we saw some flashes of that. But we never saw it for any significant stretch. So they need to reincorporate him in the offense in a new way. The other thing that I think they need to do is, is the most obvious thing and the thing that I, that I think is the most assured that they will do of this list, and that is pay Aaron Rodgers. Give him whatever he wants, whatever money. There's some. There's been some suggestion that he wants a percentage of the cap and do it that way so that his, his amount will actually change year to year. He's not locked in at a number. 
a lot of times what happens is these these contracts happen and you know Ryan Tannehill a couple of years ago signed a big deal. Well now it doesn't look like that big a deal because he's going to make 18 or 19 million next year and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make 27. And suddenly he's a better value than he was when he signed that contract. By tying it to a percentage of the cap, it basically prevents the Packers from ever having that contract become a value like it did when he signed the first one. And even this last one, I mean, he's now underpaid because every year the cap goes up and he's getting a smaller percentage, not a bigger or the same relative percentage of the cap. So I don't care about that because he's the best player in the world and he's the reason you have a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. Pay him. Trust your scouting staff to draft guys. Trust your coaches to develop guys and pay your quarterback. It would be great if he was making $14 million like Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was getting upfront guaranteed money so that he could be paid a smaller amount. It's not like he didn't get his money. He did. All right. Let's not act like he was some charity case. And then the final part of all of this uh, is I think Morgan Burnett is just no longer part of the future of this team. He's he's 29. He has not started 16 games in several years. He's had issues with injuries, and he has not been a playmaker consistently for this team. And if you're going to pay someone seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars, he needs to have a bigger impact on your team than Burnett does. You can't just pay that much for consistency. And there is a trade-off here because I I want to spend that money. And I think that money can be better spent elsewhere. Paying him gives you a a more assured productivity. You know what you're going to get from him, assuming he's on the field. But there's an opportunity cost there. If you're paying him, who could you be paying instead? And so I'm going to answer that question in just a second. But first, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge Giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. I want to give it to you for free. That gets you access to player grades, tools, charts, breakdowns, stuff I use every day in my writing, stuff I use all the time for this show. You could have access to those numbers for free by winning our contest. Name, Twitter handle, review of this podcast on iTunes, preferably with a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. All right, here we go. Two big things in free agency that I would like to see. Number one, and I've, I've said this before, I said it last week, sign Malcolm Butler. I understand he did not play particularly well last year. There's a lot of reasons for that. He was an all-pro the year before, and a pro bowler the year before that. He made the biggest defensive play in NFL history, at least the most impactful one. He literally won a Super Bowl for the Patriots. I understand the questions, but if I have the option of paying seven or eight million or as much as 10 million, which is the the projected market value, and I've talked about why I don't think that's reasonable for Morgan Burnett, but even so, eight, nine, million, let's say, let's call it that, for Morgan Burnett. If the if the trade-off is I can pay 12 to Malcolm Butler, I'd much rather do that. I'll take the extra money for the younger player at the more important and impactful position. It is more important to me to lock down corner 
Not that he is a lockdown corner per se, but you know what he is. Even if he's last year's Malcolm Butler, this this most recent season, he's better than anyone the Packers could put out there after King and Randall. And even potentially better than those guys. He is an upgrade. We we know that. Okay? So that is there is a there is a, a benefit to paying the extra money. There is a value add. He is worth that money. A really good corner is worth that money. Even just a good corner. A solid, reliable corner, which is what the Packers thought they were getting in Devon House, is worth the money. Now, I do think they should re-sign Devon House. He'll be a backup, and that's fine. If he's your fourth corner, you're in great shape. Lindsey Pipkins is your fifth corner. Let's go. This defense can be really, really solid if that's what you're working with. And so that's where that's where it starts for me. So that money that I'm not paying Morgan Burnett, I'm going to pay Malcolm Butler. And then with the money that I have saved by restructuring Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, I'm going to sign Allen Robinson to a one-year prove-it deal. I think he would be amenable to it. I think it's the kind of situation he would love to be in and love to bet on himself playing with Aaron Rodgers coming off an ACL injury that luckily for him was early in the season and on a 9 to 12 month recovery window should have him ready for opening day. He's only 24, will not be 25 until August. These kinds of injuries young players come back from and even if he's not 100%, even if he's only 85 to 90% of what he was pre-injury, that can be a really, really good player. Alshon Jeffrey got a one-year deal last year in a market where there was there was a lot of people looking for receivers. He signed the one-year prove-it deal and then got paid because he had a big season for the Eagles. So if he would take a one-year 12 million, one-year 13 million, and then the Packers could, if he is healthy and produces, then you lock him up. You don't worry about what happened with Randall Cobb, whether he's going to play beyond this year or not, or if you if you did have to release him because he's not going to take less money, then you're set. You're okay at receiver because you bring in a potential bona fide number one receiver. Allen Robinson with Devontae Adams outside would give this offense a pretty incredible set of options. And that's before you even get to Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and Ty Montgomery. Again, in this scenario, I have room for both because I've reduced the contracts of Nelson and Cobb. Now, if Allen Robinson is not interested in, in signing my one-year prove-it deal, I'd be willing to go on a two- or three-year deal just because I think a 24-year-old coming off a torn ACL is, is a more known quantity than he would be if he were 28, 29, 30. I wouldn't have, I mean, obviously you need to check out the medicals. You need to know that he's healthy. I'm not going to give him the deal that Alshon just got, the long-term deal, but I would give him the short-term prove-it deal. Come play in my offense with Aaron Rodgers and rehabilitate your value, and next year, I'll give you the world. Or in the middle of the year. If you come back and by October, you're lighting the world on fire, hey, let's let's fire up the contract machine and get you paid. I'd be willing to go two or three years. I don't know that I'd be willing to go long-term. I think you'd have to have a lot of guarantees 
up front. So maybe you do it. Maybe you make it a four-year deal. That's really only a one-year deal if that's what he wants. But if he's not willing to do something like that, then I'm going to go get Marquise Lee. He's exactly the kind of receiver that this offense needs, someone who can get down the field, who can play in the slot or outside, and who can create big plays. He's a different kind of receiver than the Packers have, and they need that dimension in this offense. Those are the big those are the big ones. I think there are ways that they could improve this team on the margins. You re-sign Quinton Dial, I've said that. There's going to be guys who get cut. You know, the Bears, there's rumors the Bears are going to cut Josh Sitton. If they do, it's a no-brainer to bring him back in the fold. But those options aren't available to us right now because we haven't we haven't seen those players available. We don't know what that market looks like. I think there will be guys like that on the market. And I will say, if they do become available, I will, I will be sure to say, I think this guy makes sense for Green Bay. I think they should go get him. And then the part the Packers fans are most excited about, the draft. Packers have the 14th pick, the 45th pick, and the 76th pick. Now, there is a discussion about how to handle this. And I, I know that Rob Domofsky mentioned in a, in a bold predictions piece. Now remember, he was asked to make a bold prediction. And his bold prediction was that the Packers would be more aggressive in free agency, not particularly bold, and that they would move up potentially into the top 10. I don't think it is crazy to believe the Packers would like to package some picks and move up to get a high-impact player. Here is my case against it. Uh, Even someone like Minka Fitzpatrick, who is a versatile defensive back who can play corner, who can play safety, he can play all over the field. Probably have to get up into the top four to get him. Can they just say, we'll give you a t- our first at 14, our second, and our third to get Fitzpatrick? And does that make you so much better than just taking guys with those later picks that you have to do it? I say no. Okay. Is there... A pass rusher worth worth doing that for, worth worth moving up into the top five or the top ten to get. I don't think so. And you don't move up in the draft. As much as I love Roquan Smith, you don't give up assets to move up to draft an off-ball linebacker. You just don't. So what are you supposed to do then? Well, you stay put at 14. And let me be clear, if... Derwin James is not available at 14. I'm taking one of the pass rushers. Harold Landry, Marcus Davenport. One of those three guys is going to be there. Here's who I'm not taking. Josh Jackson. I'll take Denzel Ward if he's there. Mike Hughes, Tavares McFadden, Jair Alexander, Carlton Davis. None of the corner. I am not taking a corner at 14, and here's why. I can get a really good one at 45 if I want to. Now, here's the other part of this. In this scenario, I have Malcolm Butler. So I don't need Jackson. I don't need any of those guys. I'm at least three deep. Remember, I signed Devon House. Now I'm four deep at corner with, with guys that I trust. I would much rather now input Derwin James. I'm replacing Morgan Burnett. I've got Josh Jones and Haha Clinton Dix. And my secondary is loaded. It's got athletes. It's got playmakers. It's got versatility. It has everything I need. And I believe in a Mike Pettin defense, it is more important to have good defensive backs than good pass rushers. He can manufacture pressure. He did it for the Jets. 
quick. Name me the best pass rusher on those Jets teams that were top 10 in the league every year. They didn't have one. I mean, they obviously had a best because by definition, you have to have a best. But none of them were good. Every year, they were like, well, the Jets need to find a pass rusher, an impact pass rusher. Well, why? It couldn't have just been Revis because he went to Buffalo, Mike Pettin did, and had a really good defense. There, he had no defensive backs, and he had pass rushers. And then in Cleveland, he had no pass rushers and Joe Hayden and a bunch of dudes. If you sign Malcolm Butler and he goes with Kevin King, who gets back from injury, and Demarius Randall, and then you add Derwin James with Josh Jones and all those guys, you don't need Von Miller to make this defense go. Mike Patton is good enough at scheming pressure, getting guys free. The Arizona Cardinals do a great job of this. They have prioritized their secondary, and they said, we can create pressure. We can get after the quarterback with our blitzes, which are with our creativity, and with the extra half second that we create because our corners and our safeties are great in coverage. That is the way I would build my defense, because at 14, you're not going to get the ultra-elite edge guy. Miles Garrett is not there. Now, I think Marcus Davenport is really good. And if he's there, I'm going to have a tough time passing him up. But I just think the value of getting a player like like Derwin James, a versatile ultra-athlete, is so high for this defense that that's, that's what I would do. And I think Nick Perry and Clay Matthews can be good when healthy. I want Vince Beagle to get more reps coming in. And I think you sign whatever the 2018 version of Ahmad Brooks is. Someone is going to get let go. A veteran who can just come in and give you rotation snaps. Sign him and you're good. They can play what Aaron Rodgers called championship level defense without the premier edge rusher. And I think because there's flaws in all these guys, that the better move is to take the safety that you don't necessarily need. He is a luxury item and a, and a chess piece. You're, you're probably not going to start that edge rusher either. Now, maybe you do in a year or two, Clay Matthews moves on or, or the Nick Perry contract becomes too cumbersome and they move on. But I just don't, I don't see that as, as number one necessary or number two likely. So I'm going to take Derwin James. At 45, I'm going to take Mark Andrews or Dallas Goddard, one of the tight ends. They are both middle of the field monsters. They can be split out. They can, they can play in line, although Goddard is better in line than, than Andrews is. But to, to give Aaron Rodgers, Allen Robinson, and one of these move tight ends, it would be the most talented group that he's had since 2009, probably. If Finley, or, or let's say this, the 2010 opening day roster. Because Jermichael Finley in 2011 was just not the same player coming off the ACL. Finley pre-ACL was unguardable. And then you added Nelson Jennings driver with Finley. That offense was incredible. That's why we saw 2011. That's why we saw MVP Rodgers. If you put a move tight end on this team with Adams, with Robinson, I don't know how you stop them. And then I think at 76, you take a swing offensive lineman. Maybe he can play guard. Maybe he can play tackle. Maybe he can do a little bit of both. Maybe a tackle who can play guard in a pinch. Packers love those guys. I don't think they need to worry about guard early on. Quentin Nelson's not going to be there at 14. I don't think you you worry about reaching for Isaiah Wynn or someone like that. 
get an offensive lineman in the third round, someone who has some pedigree, has some talent, can be a starter, but for now is is your sixth offensive lineman. Now, Jason Spriggs may end up being that guy, depending on what happens here. I, I don't think they need to worry too much about Jari Evans. I didn't mention him earlier. I think you wait and see. Because if Josh Sitton comes available, okay, easy. Hey, Josh, you're back. Lane Taylor's the right guard now, and everyone's happy. So there's a lot of variables in that one. In a perfect world, I think that's what happens. But that that was too much of a what if. If that doesn't happen, I'm I'm fine to see what the market is for Jari Evans. And if it doesn't cost a lot to bring him back, pay him. Bring him back. He was really good last year. But they need some depth there. We don't know what, what Brian Bulaga's health is going to be moving forward. He's had a lot of issues with it. I think Justin McCray proved that he can be a backup guard. He could be a starting guard, potentially. And can play tackle in a pinch. You just don't want him doing that. So that's why you need this extra guy. A swing offensive lineman. And then I think you're good. I think, you know, they're already second best odds in the NFC to win the Super Bowl. If they do that, I think they become the favorite, to be honest. Eagles have a lot of decisions to make. They've got some some financial issues. Carson Wentz coming off an ACL. Who knows? That's how I would handle it. We'll see how Brian Gutekinds decides to handle it. A lot of options. A lot of opportunity for him to make this team better. I think he will. All right. We're going to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. Because there's there's not news to get to every day and, and you're not as engaged in the offseason, I don't want, as someone pointed out to me on Twitter, to be, if you don't listen on Monday, now there's another show on Tuesday and you're already behind. I, I don't want to overwhelm you. So let's go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll see how it works this week. And then we'll go from there. There's plenty more to discuss. Um, we are going to have someone in this week to talk about the draft. I haven't, I haven't decided who that's going to be, but I will have someone. So... Look forward to that. Keep an eye out on your feed Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. And always stay locked on Packers.